Hey, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Door County Pulse podcast. We're going to do something special over the next few weeks here. We're going to talk about housing. And I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast before, but this is a, a subject, a topic that continues to be a, a lightning rod in our community uh, and a struggle for us to solve. And we have some different approaches to solving the housing riddle in our community, both providing affordable housing enough housing of all types and, you know, supporting the workforce that we all need and that we're all struggling to find as business owners and just community members who need services. And we're going to start today with a conversation that I had with Brett Bicoy, the president and CEO of the Door County Community Foundation. He joined the podcast to talk about an initiative that they launched this month, the Workforce Housing Lending Corporation. And it's a unique new project where the Community Foundation has raised some funds, is raising more funds to provide a lending program to support innovative approaches to housing in Door County, particularly for people who need affordable housing. And he'll go into a, a lot of great detail about it, a lot of great detail about the process of creating this and why they took the approach they did. And it's just a, a really good conversation about housing in general and the challenges that we face here in Door County, and also this particular group's efforts over a couple of years to create something different and a different approach that we haven't tried before. So I really hope you find that as interesting as I did talking with him and discussing these topics with him. I think Brett's just a fascinating guy with an incredible wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciate getting his voice on the podcast to talk about this, and I appreciate what they're trying to do. Then next week, we're going to have a conversation from a kind of a different angle on this. And we're going to talk to Marissa Downs. She's from Mosaic Development. She is the developer behind the Shoals Apartment Complex in Sister Bay. That is a 45-unit affordable housing complex that's locked in for affordable housing. It's not just a, a terminology of workforce housing that really doesn't mean anything. It's locked in at certain percentages of the median income. So all of those apartments are set aside for people making either 30 50 or 80% of the Door County median income. So they have to go to people making that amount of money for a household income. So we talked to her about how that project came together, the long process, what the hurdles are in creating something like that in Door County. These are very common elsewhere in especially urban areas and other larger communities. But Door County really struggles to make that happen, and we, we get into some of the reasons why and what are those extra costs that a developer faces, those extra challenges that make it hard to do it in Door County and, makes it, and make it really easy to say, you know what, I'm going to take those resources and, and put them into a different community because it's just easier. And we talk about her experience, how that project is going. Spoiler alert, it's, going, it's gone really well. <laughs> um, it's 44 of those 45 units are now rented just uh, two months after they were completed. So next week, we have a really good wide-ranging conversation with her. And then we're going to talk to Mia Vlar. She's the Economic Development Director for the town of Vail, Colorado. And I wanted to talk to her because they have an interesting approach to housing there in which they've, they're purchasing deed restrictions on homes throughout the community. And their goal is to purchase 2,000 of them to maintain housing for their local resident workers. And I wanted to get at, you know, how is that project working? How do they fund it? And maybe there's 
a nugget there that can be transferred to what we're doing and what we need to do here in Door County, Wisconsin. I know there are, there's a tendency here to sit in our silos, to think that we are a very special egg that has to solve our problems in a unique way that's unique to Door County. And we can do that, but I always think there's just so much value in us learning from other communities and learning what has worked and not worked in other communities and stealing their best ideas. And we approach housing, we approach a lot of our discussions here, whether it's environmental, housing, poverty, we face them all and we try to come up with our our solutions out of whole cloth and we'd be better served to see what we can steal from other communities. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing some of these conversations with you. Really looking forward to you hearing that conversation with, with Mia and some of the looks at other communities and how they're doing it because we've thrown our hands up at this for far too long. And it's so great to see both what Marissa Downs has done in Sister Bay, what that village has done to try and support housing, what Sturgeon Bay has been trying to do, and what the Community Foundation is trying to do because we still have a long way to go and we all want to maintain this community the best of it that the things that made us want to be here in the first place and a huge part of that are the people here the workers here the work ethic here and we need to find ways to keep those workers here and give them an opportunity at the life that so many of us experience either as visitors or if we were fortunate enough like myself to buy a house before things got so wildly out of whack in the marketplace here so I hope you enjoy these conversations over the next couple of weeks. We will be releasing these on Wednesdays, and then um, we'll have our normal podcast with the the issues of the week, the entertainment of the week, the news of the week on Fridays. So I just hope this uh, helps move the conversation forward, and I look forward to hearing from people, and hopefully this sparks some ideas elsewhere. So enjoy the conversation. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer for the Peninsula Pulse and Door County Living Magazine. And today we get to talk about something that we have talked about a lot on the Door County Pulse podcast over the last five years, and we've written about a lot in the Peninsula Pulse. And today we get a rare opportunity to take a major issue in the county and talk about a solution to something that's been driving people nuts for a long time here, and that is housing. You know, we have long had a, a, a major shortage of all types of housing in the county. And here to talk with me about this is Brett Bicoy, the big kahuna at the Door County Community Foundation. Brett, thanks for joining me. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, as a guy who was born and raised in the state of Hawaii, it's good to know that uh, our culture continues to be respected everywhere we go. Yeah, there we go. Brett, the Community Foundation, in coordination with a lot of community leaders and partners, uh, has launched the Door County Workforce Housing Lending Corporation, and that just launched this month. I know you've been talking a lot about it. For the listeners who are just crawling out from under a rock. We have a housing problem in Door County, and it's a problem in all facets. It's summer housing for employees. It's year-round housing for families who, 
who want to set down their roots here. It's starter homes. It's medium homes. It's every type of rental and home ownership opportunity. We're, we're short on all of them. And it's been something that has vexed municipalities and, and leaders here for a long time. We finally, in the last couple of years, taken some steps to attack this problem. And you and and a bunch of community leaders have come together to find another step forward of this through the Door County Community Foundation. Brett, can you tell us what the Door County Workforce Housing Lending Corporation is all about? Well, and it's most basic. It's an entity that will offer tools to help address our housing problems here in Door County. And we are starting with the most basic tool, which is helping to finance the construction of affordable units in our community. And by affordable, we're using the definition as provided by the U.S. Uh, HUD department, which says that basically 30% or less of your gross income should be spent on housing, including utilities. Okay. So you're a lending organization. Yeah. How do you determine what kind of, who you're providing financing for? Sure. The thing to keep in mind is that it's really not practical or even possible for a developer to build affordable units that doesn't receive some kind of subsidy or uh, something to help mitigate their costs to help lower the cost of that construction and still be able to rent them at an affordable rate. It just doesn't really exist anymore. And so what happens is a developer will create a, a series of layers of funding. Think of them as layers of a cake. Right? It might be one layer. The first layer is, a, is some traditional bank financing. You go to the bank and you get a loan. Another layer might be some sort of tax credit that's available from the state of Wisconsin. Another layer might be some sort of financing from WIDA or HUD or something along those lines. But together, you're creating all of these layers that ultimately lowers the cost of the construction of the units, which then allows the developer to rent them out at a lower rate, the affordable rate. The problem is that there is an inherent disincentive for a developer to build in Door County because the allowable rates that you can charge to rent these units out are lower in this community. And then at the same time, you've got construction costs in Door County because we're on a peninsula that are the same or higher than it would be in more urban community. So if you're a developer and you want to build this unit in Door County, or you want to build it anywhere because you're just looking to make money, why would you build it in Door County when the costs of construction are higher and the rents I can charge are lower? It just doesn't make business sense. So what we've created is another layer of that funding cake that is exclusive to Door County. If you want to eat that piece of cake, this part of the cake, you got to build it here, and that helps lower the cost of construction if you build in Door County which will incentivize builders to then come to this community to build their affordable units. You touched on a couple of really good points there. When we were working on the Door County housing study back in 2018, 2019, and that, that study came back through the Door County Economic Development Corporation. Once that study was completed, we did a series of forums and workshops, and I was part of this committee that we did in Sturgeon Bay, Southern Door, Northern Door. And we also had one meeting just with builders to hear from them. Cause generally you have these discussions about housing and it's kind of funny how mm -hmm. we've done this for so many years. You have community discussions, right? So you have people who come who need housing or in general, you have retirees who mean well, do gooders who are interested in this topic, but they don't necessarily need the home. They just think we should, they, they care about it and they think we should do something. 
but they're not involved in the building or creation of homes. And then, unfortunately, a lot of times it's a struggle to get municipal leaders to show up for those conversations. So the people who were never in the room for a lot of these were the actual people who build homes themselves. So we had a lot of people talking around the topic instead of talking directly to the people who are trying to build it. So in talking to builders, the cost, realizing why the costs were higher, it's not just price gouging, which is, I think, in a lot of people's heads. One builder told us that just to get concrete, like north of Bailey's Harbor, you add 20% just for the traveling costs of, of getting the supply mm-hmm. north of there. Just to get so many, especially when construction is so heavy like it is now, finding workers means bringing them in from out of the county, bringing them in from Green Bay, Milwaukee, Chicago, which means travel, which means hotels, which means so many added expenses. And then just all of those supplies, getting that extra, that last mile from like the Green Bay hub to Door County costs more money. So all these things start to add up and then, as Marissa Downs once told me, she said, you always underestimate, if you're not from the area, how much blasting you have to do in Northern Door County where there's yeah. no soil. So there's all these extra things that take time and add costs. And we may be an island in terms of like our peninsula, but we're not in a, on an island when it comes to competing for those resources. And that's really what you were touching on is like, we have to compete for all those same people but we're sitting up here in this bubble. Well, and, and what you've talked about, which is absolutely correct, but it, that's just the expense side of the equation, right? That's yeah. about the cost of building the unit. There's also the revenue side. So talking about Marissa, who's with Mosaic, and, and is a, it was actually one of the developers that was helpful at helping us develop the concepts that we have. She put together a chart for us comparing allowable rents in Dane County versus Door County, right? So down in Madison versus up here in Egg Harbor or Fish Creek or wherever you want to build the unit. And what happens is the allowable rents are based on a percentage of county median income. So if you're getting all of these federal or state dollars or whatever it is, you've got to agree to do this, which means that let's say you are at 50% of county median income in Dane County or Door County. There's a cap on how much that you can rent those units for. And so I'll give you a difference here. These are numbers that Marissa put together. It's a couple of years old, but they're really a good example. So Dane County, a two-bedroom apartment in Dane County can be rented, again, a couple of years ago. If you were at 50% of county median income, the the family was, you could rent it for $1,160 a month. In Door County, you could rent it for 832. Hmm. So that's a shortfall of 328 bucks per month per unit, right? The most egregious difference would be if you were at 80% of county median income. So in Dane County, a family who's at 80% of county median income wants a three bedroom apartment. They can rent it for $2,145 a month. Again, a couple of years old data. The same thing in Door County was 1540. So it's a shortfall of more than $600 per unit per month. So if I'm going to spend, if I'm a developer and I'm going to build this thing and I got to blast like you talked about and I got to bring in workers to do the work and I've got to deal with, you know, there's, unless you're in Sister Bay or Sturgeon Bay, there's no city sewer water, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got to be dealing with those kinds of issues. Well, my costs are higher. And then because I'm taking government money in which almost every one of these affordable units does, I'm able to charge less per unit well, that's a recipe for a bad business decision. So <laughs> yeah. what we count on, you know, you think about the property that's going on in Sister Bay. What made that happen was the fact that the county of Door took ARPA money, 
all that federal stimulus money and put a half a million dollars into that project, mm-hmm. right? That's the difference that made it possible for Marissa's company to make it financially palatable to build those units up, up there. That's terrific. I love that. And I the village put money in it, as well but, on top yeah, of that. But, but ARPA money's gone, right? Yeah. Is there any more ARPA money coming down anytime <laughs> soon? So unless we're going to have this subsidy for these things, it's just not going to work. So what we're trying to say is, look, we know we can't give you the money like the county did there, but we're going to lend you that half a million bucks. We're going to end, lend it to you at a, a interest rate lower than you can get from anywhere else. We're going to tie the repayment schedule, let's say, to your cash flows. So we might not get the first payment for five, six, seven years because you're still trying to cash flow out some things and you're taking your your draws or whatever the case may be. We can create flexible terms of the loan that are so attractive that it lowers your cost of that money. And you say to yourself as a business person, gee, you know, this is really to my advantage. It now makes it possible for me to build the indoor county instead of building this thing in Dane County. And, and that's really what we're trying to do is to create a vehicle that says the only way you can touch this money is if you come to Door County to eat your kit, right? That's where you got to be. You got to build here, and that's how it's going to work. And what I like about it personally is it's a market-based solution. Now, there's a little bit of what we're trying to do is to to help uh, provide an incentive in the market, but we're not standing there and saying, hey, developer, here's what you must do, right? That you must build it in this community in this way. We didn't want to create a government program that required ongoing subsidies year after year. Can we create a tool that, because it's a loan, right? Once we lend it out, it may take a decade or more for the money to come back, but it comes back which we then redeploy for the next project, right? It just recycles constantly. We're constantly able to do this again and again and again. And it allows smart private developers to make money on the project. And I want them to make money because if they're making money on the project, then they'll see that they can build more of these things. And the the beneficiaries are going to be our residents. And secondarily, it'll benefit every business that can't find employees. Mm -hmm. And then that benefits the schools who... Have more kids in the school yeah, and get more more kickbacks from the state. There's yeah. so many in the local economy. It's more people living here, spending more money here. There's so many benefits. What is the funding source and how much is available? How is this going to work? Well, to start with, and the reason uh, we finally were able to announce this is we finally worked out the terms with uh, WIDA, Wisconsin Housing Economic Development Authority. They have made a commitment to match up the first $1.5 million that we raise locally. And so we've got the paperwork signed and everybody's happy and we're beginning to to collect some of those dollars. The county of Door was very generous and committed another half a million dollars to that, which we can match against WIDA, of course. We've raised probably another half a million privately already. So we've got enough money now that we can begin lending, right? Uh, and that's what we put out, which was to, to notify the community that we're ready to get out, ready to get to business. We're open for business. If you're a developer, come talk to us. And then the goal, I think, what we've talked about is, is more ambitious than that. The, the goal ultimately would be to raise probably another 2 to $3 million on top of that with the goal of trying to create a loan pool of about $5 million that could just be recycled you know, every year as we develop new projects and old ones are paid off. We kind of work through it. And then how much is available to any individual project? So this is not like $5 million right. going in to subsidize a single project, right? 
No, no. I we would anticipate that you know uh, we're going to be a distinct minority of the costs of any particular project. Again, you've got all those other layers already: the state money, the federal money, the traditional bank financing, and the like. Are initially, we're trying to we've stepped forward and told the community or the developer community that we're looking at half a million per loan per project. Okay, which is consistent if you think about it with what the project in Sister Bay got, except their money came from that county ARPA dollars, right? right? That's where we feel like it'll be a meaningful amount. And really the way we kind of developed that was we did all the traditional things, which is let's have community meetings of nonprofit leaders, government leaders, you know, business leaders. We talked about people who owned businesses who, who didn't have anything to do with housing, but they knew how important the issue was because they're having a hard time filling jobs. We talked to residents who would be those who would live in these kinds of units. And we talked to developers. We had actually a couple of developers who we asked to be part of the planning team. Again, I, I keep, hate to keep picking on Marissa Downs, but she was an integral part of it. And what she was kind enough to do, as well as some of the other developers, was to say, all right, well, I'm going to give you confidentially our pro forma statements for some project. And then we could try out different tools that we were looking at and say, would this particular tool that we might create make a difference for that project, right? What are projects that came to fruition and then did not come to fruition? And what if we came in with some cheap money, would that have made a difference? Or, you know, we looked at different kinds of models. And this is the one that made the most sense for our community. Frankly, there's nothing radical about it. Mm -hmm. You go to big cities, you're going to find these pools that are in the tens of millions of dollars, right? It's, hey, we've got $30 million pool to work with. The challenge for us is that I don't know of many communities of our size that are trying to pull this off. Because when you think about it, you're talking low interest rates that we're generating off of this because they're not paying, they're paying below market, right? The, The borrower. Well, if you're lending out $50 million and you're, you're, even if you're getting paid 1% on the money, you're making money, right? Which allows you to pay staff and the administrative costs, and the legal costs. We've had to come up with some creative ways to sort of cover those costs going forward. And that's why it's so hard to do on a small level. So you're taking care of the finance. What about the NIMBY problem? You, you got that worked out in here too? <laughs> well, that's, that's where, again, we're going to let the market decide, yeah. right? We're, we're not standing there and saying, build it on this plot or build it on that plot. That's going to be up to municipalities and developers to work out. That's what means uh, decentralized control is to say, well, we'll, we'll let the, the market and the community make that decision. And so if some developer says, I want to build on some piece of property in Bailey's Harbor, well, then that'll be for the town to decide and the developer decide whether they can come to a reasonable accommodation. In this case, we're simply financing the project. We're not telling them where they should or shouldn't build the project. Right. And just so... For some clarity, there's a little inside baseball here. When we've mentioned Marissa Downs and Mosaic and the project in Sister Bay, what we're referencing for the listeners who are unaware is that is a Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority supported project for affordable housing that's actually locked in at certain rates to stay in the affordable market. So if you're driving into Sister Bay on the left-hand side of the highway, across from the hospital before you get to the... uh, more, more across from Scandinavian mm-hmm. Lodge, there's a 46-unit development, and those are all affordable housing units, either one-bedroom up to three-bedroom units, that you can only qualify to rent there if you make, depending on which unit you're in, it could be 30%, 50%, or 80% of the median household income. So just to provide some clarity on exactly what we're talking about yeah. there. And that is, to my knowledge, the largest truly locked-in affordable housing development 
in Northern Door, maybe ever at 46 well, units. Not just Northern Door. They're pretty uncommon everywhere here, right? Yeah. Because unless there's a subsidy of some kind, there's a lot of units being built, like, say, in the Sturgeon Bay area, but they're market rate units. Yeah. They're going to get as much as they can. You know, what happens is a developer basically enters into a negotiation with the funding source. So in this case, they'll negotiate with us. Whereas in her case, you know, she probably negotiated with WIDA and negotiated with the, the county of Door and the like. And what happens is you say, okay, I'm going to build 40 units. Of my 40 units, I'm going to rent 10 of them to people that make less than 50% of county median income. And I'm going to rent out now another 20 of them to people who make between 50 and 80% of county median income. And then that final 10, I'm going to rent out at market rate. Now, all the units have to be the same. In other words, you can't say, well, we're going to make these super nice and these really crappy, right? The idea, they may have more bedrooms, right? And one might have a view that one doesn't have a view, but, but functionally, they're all of the same quality. But to be able to live in the property, there are certain units that have been set aside for families based on their income levels. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we like the mixed use. There, there's a lot of research that shows that when people of mixed economic capacity live in similar places, be it a neighborhood or a building, it's actually healthier for the whole community, right? It doesn't become, hey, let's take all the poor folks and stick them over there. It's mm-hmm. recognizing that these are hardworking people who contribute to our community, who just fill the jobs that don't pay as well as something else. It's a noble work that they might be doing. We as a society just don't pay a whole lot to, uh, to some of these roles. And right. so, you know, putting them together is actually a good thing. And, and for us, it actually helps too, because if a developer can make more money on this 25% of the, the units in their subdivision or their, their building that they're building, we're better off because that helps make more money for them, which means that they can make less money on our units that are the actual affordable ones that we're going to finance. Right. And a similar project to that, there is another apartment complex near the childcare center that is mixed use. So some of those are market rate mm-hmm. and some of them are subsidized. It's a much smaller development than what Marissa's doing, but it's that same concept. And it's the one I always point to when people, you know, they have this like all these people who don't want anything nearby them. And I look at the, those apartments and I always tell them, those are much nicer than basically half of my graduating class in high school at Gibraltar High School in 1997 lived in growing up. So if you have a, an aversion to affordable housing, I think it's a, it's almost a made up vision of what that has to be when people yeah. have that NIMBY well, attitude we this, about it. We all think back when we talk about this of Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. right? The, the famous, uh, you know, the affordable units that they had in Chicago. Um, remember the the TV show Good Times mm-hmm. um, that was basically set in Cabrini Green. I don't know if they ever referred to it as Cabrini Green, but that was the the apartments they would show at the beginning of the credits on that on that program. And, and so we have these this idea that affordable units have to be slums, right? Yep. That they have to be unsafe places that are dangerous to be in, uh, and that's not what they are today. Right. And then that really isn't the, the nature of new units that are being built. And, and there's also just sort of a reality to this sort of thing, which is that the reason we're doing this fundamentally is that we have a firm belief that if you are working hard, then you have a right to a safe, clean, affordable quality rental unit. I mean, just full stop. Right? Yeah. If you're, you're working hard and, and quote unquote, doing it right, you shouldn't be working full time and not be able to afford to live in the community in which you serve. It, it just doesn't seem fair. To, you know, it doesn't seem 
doesn't seem right. wrong. Yeah. And so that drives a lot of what we're doing here. Housing as a whole is being hit by these larger economic forces where, you know, it's become a new bastion of, you know, short-term investment, churn and burn, um, money-making in even down to like single family apartment units. There are cities across America where there are individual companies that own tens of thousands of single family homes as speculation and have taken them out of the, and they, they're outbidding all the, the like local families who would normally, you know, they're coming to the table with cash and competing with families who are trying to get their foot in the door for a first home. And that is a larger force. So we've kind of turned a, a true basic necessity for people into a, a stock market game, yeah, which we've done with other industries too, whether it be healthcare and others, but like that is, you know, there's nothing more vital to somebody than a roof over their head. And that's something when you talk about it is you have to have a right to it. And I, I'd even go further and say like, in this case, you're trying to get people to pay for the departments. I think like whether or not you're someone's definition of hardworking or not, you know, everybody needs it. Everyone needs a housing. And there's a lot of reasons that somebody might not be able to, to do what, what, what I might consider hard work they still deserve shelter, you know, in a storm. And this is a, a, a stab at getting some of that fixed. So you have a criteria in here that assisted units must serve year-round residents who meet the income criteria for at least 20 years. Uh-huh. My only question on that is, why not make that permanent, like a permanent deed restriction? Oh, you mean it, it, the, the units themselves? Yeah. They're actually, typically they're not, surprisingly enough. Typically with these kinds of things, it's like a cost thing, right? It's uh, the developer is doing the math. And I don't know what the terms are. You can make them permanent. You can make them long-term or you can make them short-term. But the longer the developer is required to keep them as affordable, the more expensive the subsidy must be because the, the developer is just doing the basic math. So what we're saying here is that we want them to be at least 20 years, but by no means are we saying that it has to stop there. Right. In other words, we're going to always push back and say, well, what would it cost us if we were to partner with you, if you were going to make that permanently affordable? Okay. Right? In other words, to keep these, these things in, in the play. The, the beauty of what we're creating is that it's not a government program. It's being done. I mean, there's some quasi governmental money coming from WIDA. Uh, and then obviously there's the, the money that the county of Door is putting into it. But most of the money is going to come from private philanthropy. And because we're not a government program, what we really want to have is a conversation with the developers. Sure. Right? Too often governments create programs and say, here's what must be. And if you can't do it this way, then, uh, then too bad. And so we start these programs and you have all these unintended consequences or nobody uses them or they're not really effective or not achieving the goals. Because this is private, uh, done through private philanthropy, we have the ability to change terms on a dime, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so for us, it's about saying, look, here's sort of the initial parameters. We're going to give about a half a million. We'll invest about a half a million in projects. You know, it must be a minimum of twenty percent of the units will be set aside for for affordable units. We're looking at those at eighty percent of county median income or less. We want at least twenty years of it. But let's have a conversation, and we'll see what the market will bear. Right. And if it turns out that we cannot do this at this level, then we're going to have to change. On the other hand, if it turns out this is really easy to do and we've got lots of developers chomping at the bits, then we can go the other way and say, well, you know what? We want to make sure that this is affordable for 40 years right, or or 50 years or or whatever it is. But uh, uh, we have great flexibility to, to see what the market will bear. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. 
Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Is there a type of unit you're looking for? You know, we mentioned Marissa Downs unit, and that's a 46-unit development, but you know, affordable housing comes in all shapes and sizes. So do you have a criteria for the size that you're looking to support? Or is it pretty open-ended, come to us with a proposal and we'll evaluate it? It's the latter of the two. Come to us with a proposal and we'll, we'll evaluate it. And we're going to have to be flexible because sewer and water are a good example of it. It's much harder to have 46 units that some of which have one, at least all of which have at least one bathroom and some two if you're going to be building this in a part of the county, the majority of the county that does not have city sewer. So right off the bat, if you put it in certain places, the high density, which is what you typically want with most government programs, might not be possible because the cost may be too prohibitive if we do too many units and have to deal with the sewer issue of where mm-hmm. do you put all of this water, all this gray water, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's where, again, where let's say, let's let what the market will bear. We want to hear from developers. The other thing that we're willing to listen to, by the way, are not just traditional developers. If you are a local business person who's an entrepreneur and you recognize the value of housing, both for your employees and maybe the community in which you're living and are thinking about building something, give us a call. We're willing to have a conversation with you about seeing what we might be able to do. We're not asking, again, that all of the units be affordable by, the, by HUD's definition, but let's have a conversation about how many are you willing to commit. And if you're willing to commit X, maybe we'll give you Y dollars, right, and something along those lines. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an iterative process that through these conversations with developers, we'll get a good sense of what we can get for us that most bang for our buck. And that's good to hear because something I've been thinking about, because I, I spend way too much time thinking about <laughs> like housing and, and certain <laughs> issues. I, I thought back to my 20s and f- through most of my 20s and I lived in 17 different apartments in a 12, 13 year span of adulthood. And usually I was living with four to five other dudes and we would live in a single family home, but there'd be five of us. And I got to thinking about mm-hmm. how we're continuing to fall behind in this fight to provide housing and ha- housing for enough of employees that we need. And as great as some of these apartment complex projects are and home ownership projects are if you're doing one home for one family or one apartment for one person, it's still pretty much the most expensive way possible to do it. Right? So you have, Mm -hmm. if you're building a one bedroom apartment and somebody moves in there and maybe they have a spouse or a significant other. So maybe you have two people in there. Well, you have one kitchen and one bathroom, at least probably two bathrooms in a lot of those places and one driveway serving two people. But if you live the way myself and a lot of workers did for, for a long time in Door County, if, where you had like four or five people to a single family home, well, now you have one kitchen for five people, two bathrooms for five people, and your, your cost goes down. So it, it got me thinking, I've been, I've been stuck on like, we need more apartments and we do for sure. But I'm like, oh, we've kind of forgot that like that old stock housing was like the cheapest way to provide housing, actually. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's just so many things that are hitting Door County at one time and that, that old stock housing now is, is more valuable for something else. 
So it's not available as much for the workforce. Yeah. So then we have to attack it by doing this much more expensive way. So it's a, it's a, it's a vexing problem. That's the value of the market deciding, right? Right. I mean, you're a smart entrepreneur. I mean, look at all the things that you started and the business that you've been involved with. This is what we're trying to do is to say, okay, Miles, if you can think of a way to do this, that serves your employees over there at the company, or you think it might be a use to the community and you can make some money at it with a little bit of a free uh, or subsidized lending from us, then let's have a conversation. Yeah. Right? That what I think sometimes happens is sometimes traditional government programs come into these kinds of situations with a little bit of arrogance in the sense that they're very prescriptive. We know what we want, so do it this way, and if you do it this way, we'll help you. If you don't, then we want nothing to do with you. Yes. And I get it. There's a different responsibility with tax dollars and the like, so I don't want to be overly critical of, of government programs. But what we're trying to be is to unleash innovation and entrepreneurship. Smart entrepreneurs who think they've got a solution here, if they could just make their numbers add up with a little bit of a subsidy by, some, by lowering the cost of lending for them, they can make it go, well, then give us a call. Let's, let's have a conversation about what might work. Yeah, you're allowing for some creativity in the process. And just to, you know, we talked about those medium household incomes, but Here's what those numbers actually are. And these are pulled from your website. So I think they're probably the most current because they update them every year. But the 2023 limits, the 80% of area median income in Door County, $55,800 for a two-person household, $69,700 for a four-person household. Those are the most current numbers, correct? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. So okay. if that's what you say, I'll, I'll believe All you. right. They're from your website, so I'll say they are. <laughs> but just so people have an idea of what that means, like what is the person who's going to qualify for this? Because I think it's important to put that out there because that is not... Sometimes when you talk about affordable housing, people will say, well, none of my staff will qualify for that because they make $46,000. It's like, well, you might qualify <laughs> for, for some yeah, of this stuff. I mean, they don't realize how... How big, because we recognize that gap in Door County is so large of how, mu how many people are yeah, not being a, served. A mother with a, a child who's making $22 an hour qualifies yeah. at, at eight, is below 80% of county median income, right? Uh, a husband and a wife with two kids, and they're both working, uh, you know, making um, 17 bucks an hour. Well, they're below 80% of county median income. But I also underline the fact that that's exactly who we're talking about, people who are working hard. Right. And, yeah. and that's fundamentally the ones that, that we're most concerned with. Not to say we're not concerned about those who aren't working, but those who have the ability to work and are working hard, they should get, they have a right to a safe, quality place to live. And actually, we, we use the word fully employed deliberately because we talked about the people who are, are, are employed full time, but that's not what Door County looks like, right? I mean, how many people up here are employed full time versus those by traditional definition, uh, as opposed to those who work 60 hours a week during the season and are able to find 10 hours a week during the off season. Mm -hmm. We consider that person fully employed because right. they're busting their butt during part of the year and the other part of the year, they have a little bit less going on. Well, we want to make sure that those folks have a safe, quality place to live. And it's, it's a fundamental principle that guides us, but it's also just practical, which is we can't fill these jobs if we don't have this kind of safe, quality housing, mm -hmm. you know, how many businesses are not open as many hours because of it? How many, how many uh, restaurants are unable to run full speed because they can't find wait staff or stores that have to close early? You and I can think of people that we know of who own these kinds of businesses who we see 
in the last couple of years working behind the counter or working, you know, or helping to stock their own shelves and do all these things, not because they need the, the, the income or they can't afford to hire a person, but they just don't have anyone to do the work. Yeah. And I mean, there's people who have, who have good businesses, profitable bus- businesses who have shut down that business because it was just, it was, it became too much work because they couldn't find the help and it was just more than they wanted. They, you know, they didn't get into business to make that their entire life. So you're actually losing some of the creativity in the community as well. You know, you're making the prospect of opening something more daunting. If somebody's looking at that going, Oh, this is a great idea. This community needs it, but where am I going to find anyone to work it? (laughs) So even if it would make money. So it, it's, it's something that, and it's only getting harder with every passing day. So, and this, this particular solution you know, I, I think a lot of people look at things and they expect it to solve all the problems. So if somebody looks at this and says, but what about this person? Well, that's true. That that other aspect of the housing economy also needs to be served. It's just not, this can't be the silver bullet for all of them. And this is one approach to fill part of the, the need, correct? Well, you need to have, there's no one solution. If there was, if somebody has the one solution that solves all the problems, please call me because <laughs> we would love to put our money and effort behind it. But that's just not how the world works, right? It's You don't push one lever. You push a little bit on 20 different levers. And collectively, that sort of gets things moving the way you want them to. Look, there are market rates units being built all over town. They're not affordable by HUD's definition, but that's a good thing, right? Because anything we can do to increase the availability of housing removes some pressure on the whole system. Mm-hmm. And it flows all the way through it. If we can make, you know, if there are more homes, you know, think about, I have a daughter right now who's trying to, who's able to buy a home, qualifies to buy a home, just can't find the starter home that fits their budget right now yeah. because they're just not enough units. If we were to solve one problem or at least address one problem and alleviate the pressure on larger homes, because then, and we built more midsize, you know, the second home that a family buys, well, that would allow people in the starter homes to move into them, mm-hmm. right? If we had more market rate units available as people's economic situation improves, I mean, you start the job, but hopefully you're making more money over time, you can move out of a, an affordable unit and move into a unit that's market rate or, a, you know, that, that might be a little bit nicer or in a nicer area or a different area of the community. Anything we can do to increase the number of homes that are available will make the system better. But I'd also note, though, that we call it the Workforce Housing Lending Corporation because this is not where it ends. It's where it begins. It starts with Door County and it starts with rental units. We have, if this proves successful, one of the ways that we think we're going to make this thing sustainable is that we want to take the model and move it beyond Door County. Now, obviously, any Door County money will stay in Door County. We're not going to use it to do projects in Kiwani County or in Shano County or Oconto County. But those are all rural communities that are around this Bay of Green Bay of ours that could use the same tools that we're using here. Hmm. So we can gather some economies of scale if we can make this model work here by starting conversations with other counties. And that's why part of our process is to, to partner with NeighborWorks Green Bay. That's a multi-county organization of which Door County is just one of their service areas. Now, we're not going to spend time at the Door County Community Foundation helping to build something in Shano County, as an example. But if we've got a model that works and NeighborWorks, our partner, can begin to use, can find people who could play a similar role in Shano County, well, then go for it. 
and we can do it under the umbrella of this new corporation. So part one is to take the model of affordable housing financing and spread it around Northeast Wisconsin. Part two towards sustainability is to go beyond rental units. Some of the ideas we've talked about are down payment assistance programs to help mm. these renters become homeowners for the first time. We've explored the idea of something called employer-assisted home ownership programs. It's where the employer who, the way they might match your 401k contribution with 3%, well, they'll match your contribution to a program to, to help pay for the down payment on your first house. So you put $1,000 in this month, the employer will match it up to 3% of your salary, put $1,000 in or whatever, whatever the amount is. So there are other kinds of programs that exist out there in the world of housing development that this new corporation can be able to, to access and be an umbrella for it. And that's why it's not branded Door County, because at some point, if we really want to make this sustainable, it's going to have to grow bigger to get the economies of scale of having more lending activity under its umbrella. But we're going to prove it first here in Door County, and we, the residents and the people of Door County, are going to be the beneficiaries first and foremost. Excellent. Well, if somebody's interested in learning more or getting in touch and having those, some of these conversations you've talked about, What's their first step? Who do they call? Well, they call our partner, NeighborWorks Green Bay. Their number is 920-448-3075. The easiest thing to do is to go to the website builddoorcounty.org. If you go to builddoorcounty.org, it'll give you contact information. It'll give you the parameters of the loan program. Frankly, the funny thing about it is when you talk to developers about it and they see that we have, I think, you know, five or six bullets that explain all of the rules for this program, they look at it and think, okay, well, where's the, the, you know, the 47-page regulations that are tied to this that come from government money? And we have to say, this isn't government money. Uh, and you should see uh, how people get excited about that, that, <laughs> wow, you mean you're going to make it easier for us? Well, when you think about it, that reduces the cost. Yeah. If, if simply making the application process less onerous and being more flexible in how we implement it, that reduces the cost to the developer, it reduces the cost to administer, and it means that we can, again, anything we can do to reduce the cost associated with the program and the construction of units, that's a savings that can be turned into lower rents for families who need affordable housing. That's one of the things on the, the Wilty Property Committee in, in Sister Bay that we looked at was, in, and in this case, it was a little more prescriptive in some sense, in that we said, well, what if we just came up with a pre-approved housing model and you work with a builder and say like, mm. is this a model that would build 10 units and maybe it was townhomes for starter homes or maybe it was apartments, but here's the model, here are the color options and we just go to builders and say, this is pre-approved, do you want to build it and how much can you build it for? And so you, approve, yeah. you eliminate all these design steps and sitting in front of a plan commission and, and having to answer that question that I see asked so many times of, well, I don't like it. Well, what don't you like? I don't know. Just come back with something else. You know, that's probably the, the every developer's worst nightmare. And they, they experience that in almost every development up here. So we were trying to think of ways around that just to, to lower the time inputs. But that's sort of what you're talking about. Well, and if you talk to the developers, they'll tell you they build that into the cost. They know that they've got to allocate staff time to attend all of these meetings. 
they know that they've got to attend, allocate money to legal costs to respond to all these all these questions and uh, issues that arise towards building the project. And they may know that uh, they're going to get their end in the in the long run, or they they know that they can make the accommodations to get where they need to go. But every time we add a step to a process, it makes the process more expensive. Mm-hmm. So again, the faster, the simpler, the more efficient we can be the cheaper it will be for the developer to develop, which then means they can afford to make money at renting these units out at a lower rate. And that's the ultimate goal. Well, the website is builddoorcounty.org. Brett Bicoy, thank you so much for having this conversation with me about the program and housing in general. And uh, thanks to everyone on your, who's been working on this for the persistence and sticking with this and staying after this problem. I know it sometimes... There's a lot of hurdles that are thrown up when you're trying to solve problems like this, and it's easy to throw your hands up and just say, well, we can't fix it. But it's nice to see a group of people come along and say, we're going to try something, and we're going to throw something at the wall. So thanks again for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.